Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Sixter, allowing marketers to automatically inject clickable images called campaigns into every one of their employee email signatures to promote their company's most important initiatives or content. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Content Pros Podcast. This is Chris Moody here. I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. I usually don't mention that, but Sunday is the Super Bowl. So I'm wearing my Panthers shirt for this recording, which no one will be able to see. And we're really, really excited to be joined by Clinton Bonner today. Fantastic, Chris. We'll, we'll either have to uh, edit that out to, you know, to take care of any tears or, or keep it in and highlight it. Uh, Clinton, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Clinton is the Director of Marketing and Crowdsourcing Strategy at Aperio. And uh, maybe what you can do uh, you know, to start us off is tell us what the Director of Crowdsourcing Strategy does, because uh, you know, that, I love that. I mean, I want to add that onto my title already, but uh, I think a lot of us are probably curious what that means at any company, um, especially yours. Yeah, no, no problem there. Thank you guys both for having us, uh, having me. Appreciate it very much. I guess first thing I do have to say is that I live in Connecticut, but I'm actually a rabid, um, fanatical Seahawks fan. So I will say I'll bow down to the altar of Cam Newton this week and say, you know, go Cam, go Panthers. You guys ran through us twice this year. So go get it. You know, don't, don't stop now. Win, win the whole thing and, and good luck to everybody down in, uh, down in North Carolina. Have some fun with it. Um, so yeah, crowdsourcing strategy. Um, it, you know, it's kind of a fun term, right? Cause obviously uh, strategy, what the heck does that mean? What are you doing? And crowdsourcing? Well, you know, there's lots of flavors of crowdsourcing out there, everything in the sharing economy, collaborative economy, co-creation. You know, what are we specifically talking about? So at Topcoder, uh, Apurio actually owns Topcoder and I work for the company that's called Topcoder. That's again, owned by the parent Apurio. Um, but at Topcoder, I focus on helping the market to understand uh, what is now achievable through crowdsourcing. So, and letting people feel really comfortable with what is familiar to them and then what's different uh, when you execute through crowdsourcing that is kind of radically different than uh, than what you're normally doing today. That would be the traditional ways of getting, getting things done. Specifically at Topcoder, we focus on um, getting technology done, getting design and technology. So we're not talking about crowdfunding. We're not really talking about crowdsourcing just like public ideas or public sentiment. This is actually getting an enterprise level real work done, um, technology work, so coding and design and applications, but through a massive community, through crowdsourcing, through competitions. So we educate. Uh, when we talk about crowdsourcing strategy, one of my roles is to educate our clients on you know, how should you approach this? How should you look at a, a variable, flexible workforce? How do you future-proof your workforce? Uh, so when you're pivoting to new skills, you could do it more elegantly through a community, through a crowd. Uh, it, you know, changes how you look at hiring. It changes how you look at um, resourcing projects. And ultimately, it changes on how, how you execute on your, your digital projects. Well, Clinton, we may work a little backwards on this one because I have a question that's more about the channels and where you're talking to people because – my first podcast interaction with Jay Bear was way back when on Social Pros. And I was at a, a company called Red Hat, which is a large open source software company. And we had a very technical audience. And one of the main things we discussed on the show was that our highest source of engagement at the time at Red Hat was Google+, which was a bit counterintuitive, but that's where the technical audience was. So I'm wondering, 
with something like top coders, right? Are, where are the people that you're trying to talk to? Is it the traditional like Twitter and Facebook or is it something a little more specific? So like I have to kind of bifurcate the answer to say, you know, we, we kind of serve two masters at Top Coder, right? One is we've got, of course, we've got clients and, and our prospects and the people that we want to educate about this. Um, and that trends to be more traditional, right? Those are folks that are on Twitter, you know, not so much on Facebook, but, uh, you know, certainly on LinkedIn and, and using uh, more traditional means and, and then really really looking at heavily tools that help you create niche audiences, the things like an Uber flip, for instance, right? So you can create niche audiences and really cater custom streams to very specific uh, types of people. But that's on the client side. The other side of TopCoder is is the community. You know, we have uh, nearly a million people that are part of TopCoder that are the actual designers and uh, developers and data scientists. And we got to kind of live where they live. So Facebook, we have a large Facebook community, of course. Of course, we participate on Twitter. But when it, be- when it comes to communicating out some of the challenges and some of the things we want to do with the community, well, we, we have our own own forums that we've created since uh, since 2001. Forming was having our own forums and TopCoder was a big asset that continues to be so that when you're logged in and authenticated, you could have those types of conversations, but external to top coder, a lot of it's taking place, you know, on, on your stack overflows on, on Reddit and uh, places where more of that type of uh, culture, more of that type of persona is, is, you know, tends to hang out. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, I think we're seeing more and more of that type of trend today of, of companies uh, having to kind of uh, attack two different buyers and not, not two different buyers who need to use the same tool for a different kind of tweaked use case, but where you actually have two different markets to support the business model. And it, it reminds me earlier this, this season, and people can listen to some of the old episodes where we interviewed some of the team from Spiceworks with a very similar type of model where they had this forum. And then they also had to sell to marketers in their case to, to advertise to. So maybe, maybe you can kind of talk about from a content perspective, how are you starting to tackle this challenge of having, you know, content strategies for really two complete different audiences altogether? I mean, how do you, how do you even begin tackling thinking about that um, just from a persona, but then, deep into how you implement that? Is it one team? Is it two teams handling each one? Right. So um, I think, you know, taking a Phil Jackson approach and having people that are that focus on roles and focus on the, the different personas that are out there that we have to tackle is really key. Kind of, you know, hey, having having some central governance um, and having it be, uh, you know, having the bridge across from your teams so that you know what you're working on so that you can repurpose content so that maybe 70 to 80 percent of what you're creating can can serve both masters, can serve one side of the market, but could also serve your other side of the market. Market, that is really smart, right? Setting up that kind of um, that kind of structure internally and organizing it, so you know you know your monthly cadence. You have your your biweeklies or your weekly calls with all the people creating content, no matter which side of the coin it might fall on, so that you can look for opportunities to make your life easier by repurposing and retweaking. <clears throat> However, there still is that you know 15, 20, 25, 30 percent of content that's got to be um, in, in our case either client and prospect specific or community specific. And I think more and more companies are going to have to do this because more, because the bottom line is more and more companies are participating in some form of crowdsourcing. They have some form of a community. They're in the sharing economy. They're in the collaborative economy where they literally have this, these two sides and 
top coder it was always community first, right? Like, like if we have a happy community, if we have an engaged community, if we're providing our community with really good cutting edge work and cutting edge technologies, then we're going to grow. And we're going we're gonna, we're, to we're grow rapidly because that means the work is there. That means really cool work is there. And the coders and designers want to get around really cool work. Um, so that's kind of at our core and always has been since uh, the inception of Top Coder in 2001. But I think you also have to striate the two, um, keep the communication lines open, and then use different tools, you know, kind of different strokes of different folks to get things done and be as scrappy as you possibly can. Because, you know, we're not a huge marketing team, but we do have to produce a lot of content to, uh, you know, to, to serve a few different uh, in quite different audiences. Glenn, one of the things I love about Top Coder and communities like Top Coder, you can't really be salesy in that environment. You have to come and you have to be genuine and you have to add value. What are some things that everyone that is in the field of content or marketing in general can pull away from some of the crowdsourcing type communities for their content, whether that's on the blog or in a gated asset or an ebook, whatever? Yeah, I think, you know, especially when we're talking about um, stuff that goes, well, you know, it cuts both ways uh, to community and then out to prospects. But, uh, you know, being, so two, I'd say two things. One, when, you, when, you're with, when you're addressing your community, I know this is going to sound like everybody's going to say this, but like being, being as, as a, you know, rampantly transparent as you possibly can with what's going on. When, when we think about the top coder community, for many of them, this is their prime source of income. You know, uh, lots of people on top coder, this is what they do for a living. They, they maybe they can travel and go from cafe to cafe across, across Europe if they wish to, but they could work on demand in projects they self select into through an elegant technology platform and, and get to really cool work and then, you know, uh, participate in challenges. But you've got to be, exceptionally transparent when you're making changes. Um, you've got to be, you've got, and you've got to involve them along the way, you know, so using, using tools like, a, like, you know, easy surveying, like get feedback, you know, things like that, that just make it very, very simple and um, elegant and very visual to, to gather the type of feedback. And again, we're, we're addressing a global community. Most of them do have English as a second or a third language, but a, a whole chunk of them, English is not their first language. So how do we use visual tools like a get feedback so that we are being transparent, so we're being communicative? Um, of course, blogging, right? And then also inviting in the members. So we have um, we have a, a community advisory team that's made up of top coder members where they, they join us every single month to talk about what they like, what, what path we're going down, what, what would they change, their suggestions. And then we have um, uh, tournaments throughout the year that are, that are physical gatherings. So although we're a technology company with a technology community, we can get face-to-face, break bread, and sit down with uh, the members of our community and just get that quality FaceTime. So a lot goes into it. On the other side of um, educating, educating an audience that are clients and prospects. I think you go back to the Jay Bear, um, you know, uh, church, if you will, of utility, right? Just doing things that are, that are just downright useful, like not being, you know, not, not giving some slideshow that doesn't really add any value whatsoever, but in a crowdsourcing sense, we're thought leaders in that space. So, being very specific of saying, okay, hey, at your design iteration in, in a in a top coder design challenge, what are the four or five things you really need to nail to iterate with the community like this to get great assets back? Creating content that's very specific like that and making it digestible, you know, putting it into video, putting it into forms that someone could watch it while they're grabbing a latte at Starbucks. 
It's great. I, I want to, Clint, I want to go back just a bit to where you're talking about leveraging feedback through different channels. And uh, I mean, you mentioned a tool like Get Feedback, even which at Uberflip here, we use that that tool too. I, I love it. I think it, you know, like our solution, it empowers marketers to build really beautiful experiences and, and make it a little bit more engaging for, for the end user to actually fill that out. But once you get past getting that feedback, how do you kind of uh, leverage that into content? Maybe you can give us an example with some some feedback you got from customers um, or one of the two channels that you're kind of going after and how you leverage that into a really successful content asset. Yeah, I mean, so I think the, you know, the the on, just on the feedback side of it, we are again at Topcoder. It's it's two sides, and one side is a technology platform, and the other side is this this community, right? The Topcoder community. Um, and so when we're let's let's flip it to the to the to the client side. So when we have our you know our, our advisory board meetings, we 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 invite in six to eight of our you know our, our not so much largest clients. Some of them are SMBs, some of them are Fortune fifty enterprises, and sitting down with them and, and understanding okay what types of what types of things do you need this this platform to solve for you? Like what what kind of bottlenecks? What types of what types of things are happening that are coming up that are slowing you down from using crowdsourcing more often and and with more ease? And then taking that feedback and to me that that becomes kind of that becomes there's there's a bit of a, a chain here that's going to go into our product team right we talk about the Phil Jackson uh, you know divvying things up so that's going to head into the R and D and product team and our product offerings team and they're going to come back with okay here's how we're going to solve for this like our partner at IBM said this this and this about the way the solution was working they'd love for it to do X Y and Z great um, listen to that feedback validate that it's not just one client right so we're not doing a one off and then obviously go create it but once it's created then it becomes you know. It's kind of no holds barred. Like, how are we going to get this to market? I, I don't think there's any uh, a magic or silver bullet. I think that's let's let's do the right things that they may may seem a little bit you know boring, but of course we're going to put out a product video. We're gonna we're gonna put that inside a blog. It's going to be part of our newsletter. It's going to be um, it's just going to be striated through all we do to announce it the, the proper way. And we're going to go create niche audiences within these larger organizations and. And here's a key part, get the stakeholders at our clients to shepherd the information internal to their audience so we could evangelize within the large organizations we're working in. So there's a lot there. I kind of said a lot, but I don't think it's anything um, – I don't think it's everything, anything revolutionary. Uh, I think it's just listening, making decisions as quickly as you can, and then uh, showcasing the change and then making sure the people understand that, hey, it was your suggestions that, that led us here. So please now, now go use this tool like, like you said you might use it more often. Quinn, I think you started to hit on what I was going to ask at the very end, but I, I'm curious. You said a, a lot of the times you'll go to clients and they try to shepherd the audience and bring them to the right place. I think one of the biggest challenges with content, especially in a larger organization, is building that buy-in and getting lots of people to either read or download or engage with your content or at a minimum know that it's there. So I'm curious, some of the things that you've learned from your role and especially with crowdsourcing, what are ways 
everyone can help to give legs to the things people need to care about, whether that's internal or external? So I think it's a, a methodology, right? So regardless of the content you're creating, what we find is it's most successful when you can find um, the, the innovation rock stars. In our case, we, we do lots of things that are, that are rapid iteration, rapid design, prototyping, coding, and getting new solutions to market faster through crowdsourcing. That's one of the, the bigger benefits is, hey, you don't got to go source all this talent. You have the idea. Let's start building it through top coder. Let's do it now, right? Um, within organizations, when you're trying to permeate your, your content and your messaging, again, there's tracks already built. There's communication tracks. These, <clears throat> these large organizations, they already have events. They do internal events. They do external events. So it's like, how can we hitch our car to their tracks very effectively? And I think the most effective way to do that is to kind of find the engineer, right? And I don't, I don't mean the CEO <clears throat> and I don't mean maybe an, even an SVP, but typically there's somebody that owns or wants to own or be known for being like the, the innovation rock star. Somebody that it, it behooves them to get around ideas like crowdsourcing and be the champion inside their organization or several people or a small group. Getting, uh, you know, making really fast friends with those people, identifying who they are and who they are not, and also like who are they connected to? How much can they help? Uh, because it's, it's really mutually beneficial when you could, when you could then maybe develop a microsite for a client that has custom content or at least a little bit of custom content. So it feels very customized to the client and then give them the materials say, Hey, here's your internal marketing campaign. Here's your internal push. We'd love you to send. We ghost wrote, we, we ghost wrote this for you already. Put your own spin on it, but make it easy easy for them. We found a lot of success that way because those individuals, they want to be, you know, they, they want that as part of their resume. They want to, they want to accelerate as individuals inside a large enterprise. And if they can get around innovation and something really cool that works like crowdsourcing and it helps them um, advance themselves and we could just give them packages that content wise that make it easy. That's where we see the most acceleration. And then on the flip side, the acceleration leads to more conversations, more conversions, more people taking our, our workshops, and ultimately more people running challenges on TopCoder, which, you know, everybody knows the entire time that's what we wanted to have happen. And that's the easiest way to get there and the, the most beneficial way to get there. It sounds like uh, like you guys have a real good feel in terms of the, the type of content people care about, you know, what they're interested in, how to segment that. Maybe you can talk about what the goals are with the content though that you're creating. I mean, you know, obviously we want an engaged audience. We want people to, to trust top coder in your case. Um, but what's your personal goal? What are you measuring against? Is it, you know, is there some sort of conversion uh, goal that, that you're focused on at the end of the day from content where call to actions are being used? Yeah, sure. So, you know, really um, the way we look at everything, it, it does, we're, we're revenue focused, right? We're, we're a, a growth company and we're, we're heavily revenue focused. So what that means for us is we kind of have some predictive indicators that you know, if, if P then Q, like if we get somebody to um, a certain piece of content or a certain physical workshop, then the likelihood of them, um, you know, running, running top coder challenges, you know, basically goes through, through the roof without being scientific about the terms. Um, so there's, there are things like that that we measure, but we also have different products. So some of our clients are, are really large scale, you know, like uh, top 50 enterprises and some of our clients are, uh, SMBs, right? Um, and so we have some, some different tools and different products that one, one of them is called App Express, which is a self-service way to do, uh, rapid prototyping, mobile design concepts where it's, um, extremely, uh, low touch, very, very often no touch, where it's, you're going through a wizard type scenario and you're telling, 
telling the telling the uh, scenario, you know, telling the wizard what kind of application you're looking to build, how many screens, et cetera, et cetera, and you're off and running. You're, you're literally putting in a credit card and starting a crowdsourcing competition. The other side of the coin is, you know, large scale. Uh, Large scale initiatives where we're partnered with a global um, uh, a global systems uh, integrator, um, and they're and we're partnered with them, and they're using our platform to help deliver faster. Um, they are quite different audiences, right? So when we're looking at self service, I would go back to that 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 Jay Bear, like taking your FAQs and making them as robust as possible really spending time on your FAQs. I think a lot of people, you know, they put their FAQs up, but they don't, they don't think through the permutations of them and, and the, the, if this, you know, the logic behind FAQs and making them as robust as possible, making them as easy to consume as possible. When you're on the self-service side, you really have to uh, put an emphasis on that, on that type of content all the way to the other side where we're actually partnering with um, uh, global integrators. That is really all about um, high-level training documentation and and physical in in-person workshops, and they, they really, you know, uh, again, we have different audiences and we have different products, and there's a lot to do on that spectrum. So I'll take a break there. If you want to dive into any of those rabbit holes, one way or the other, glad to go more deeply. Yeah, maybe just to get a better feel. So, so understanding what the goals are in terms of what you have to educate there. What's your goal from your content? Is it to get people on a phone call? Is oh, it yeah, to, to get a demo going in some sort of way? And and how are you kind of facilitating that in a natural way from content? I think that's one of the things that a lot of people kind of struggle with is, you know, we want to keep that content journey going. We want to keep it genuine and natural. But as you said, you know, you're a revenue business, right? Mm-hmm. You're a revenue sure. generating business. At some point, you know, we have to figure out a way to transition that still naturally to that point where we can engage in a you know, sales or education conversation that can take it to the next level. Right. So I think on the, on the, the, the stuff that, that the products that lend themselves more to self-service, it is, you know, we're looking at demos, right? We're looking at how many, how many of these can we get scheduled? Cause you might, as you, as you might imagine, if it's, that's a self-service product and um, again, very, very low touch along the way to, to get going and start using it. That is, you know, using the, using the array of everything we have at our disposal, you know, blogs, video, everything we do, but at the, the predictive indicator for us there is is just getting getting them on the horn for a demo, and um, and and understanding when we have them on for a demo that we're also talking not just about the product and not just saying here's how you'd use this, but really uh, starting to. You're starting to ask the, the 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 smart questions on you know what are you trying to accomplish with it so that um, we could obviously guide them a heck of a lot better so it's not just oh here's the product demo go go learn this on your own but but getting getting around what they're trying to create through it it, it just obviously helps build the relationship and then of course if we know what they're trying to build uh, through through the uh, the crowdsourcing uh, application well then we could also of course more elegantly point to um, Points of case studies that that are that resonate with them, right? That's on on the self service side. And again, I think there's a a markedly different approach uh, on the on the other side of it, which is for the for the large uh, global enterprises that use it. For us, there we're looking at how many. Um, very often, it, it's a matter of how many workshops can can we get booked. How many times can we physically get in a room? Let's say. 13 different directors from a large organization can get around and spend spend a half a day with us and do a deep dive in, okay, what are the things you're trying to solve? And let's see how they map to crowdsourcing. It's kind of old school, right? It's kind of like, 
we, we're whiteboarding, we're, we're sticky notes, we're very physical in those in that sense, and we're running a workshop. But at the end of that workshop, we're handing the, the, the client or prospect back a laundry list of the projects they said they want to start. And if they had the capability or bandwidth, they would start them today. So it just creates that that impetus to uh, to get going because, again, we, we are revenue revenue focused. Quinn, one of the rabbit holes you mentioned a bit earlier, you were talking about FAQs. And anyone who's ever heard me talk knows that I usually obsess over the fact that most people don't answer questions anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the lack of an FAQ page on so many sites still perplexes me. But I, I think that's something we've seen a ton of performance on, just answering them on the blog, like finding the questions people ask and trying to answer that. And then you can have a call to action if it's relevant. But could you talk a little bit about the importance of answering questions for you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, I can. So I, I'm a huge believer that FAQs can be, um, when done, when, when addressed properly, um, can be some of the most powerful content, not just for, not just for, you know, answering questions, but also things that affect SEO, right? Just, just, uh, just doing it the right way so that, um, y- it has it has such a long long tail effect to, to treating FAQs with um, you know uh, just a priority, making them making them a, a real priority to focus on. Um, but in our case, you know, being thought leaders in something that's still fairly new, Topcoder was born in two thousand one, so Topcoder is not new at this point. But to many people, doing real work that's not just ideas or like getting public citizens to vote on something or, or crowdfunding or like a Kickstarter project. The idea of getting real work done through competitions across the globe is still foreign to a lot of people. Um, so you have to look at what are people going to ask along along the journey. And the nice part about FAQs to us is the questions they're asking identify kind of what stage they're in. You know, like where where are they? If they're just dipping their feet and they want to know about intellectual property, that's always the first question that comes up. So that's kind of tip of the spear type stuff is like, okay, what happens with IP? Great. We'll answer that. We've answered it a thousand times. We'll answer it a thousand and first time. But to me, that indicates you're just get, you're just you're just starting your journey. But if you're asking about, hey, what happens at a checkpoint during a design competition? And we can answer that through an elegant FAQ and show you a video. That means to me, You've already looked at this probably fairly seriously. You're thinking about launching a competition. In this case, you're telling me it's probably a design competition, and you're looking for very specific information about how does a checkpoint work? How do you iterate? How do you provide feedback to a global community, which means you want to know about the tools. You probably want to hop on a demo, et cetera, et cetera. So I I look at FAQs as as a wonderful opportunity to uh, just kind of cherish them, do them right. And I think they just – they provide so much bang for the buck and, frankly – if you know your business, which you should, they're not that hard. You just got to listen, <laughs> listen to what people are asking, bake out your list, and then be diligent that you're, uh, you know, you keep them kind of formatted, keep them punchy, keep them punctual, concise, and, and communicate with the, with the same tone uh, throughout your FAQs. So you, you mentioned the word journey in there. Um, and you know, on, a, on a couple occasions today, it's been really talking about making sure the right content is going to the right audience, the right format, all these other aspects. And you know, in some of the notes you shared with us ahead of, of today's podcast, I, you know, I got the sense that one of your goals for this year is to get much more focused on, on delivering almost more channel-specific uh, journeys. Can you, can you talk about, you know, how you came to that and, and, you know, some of the ways you're thinking about structuring that? Sure. I absolutely can. Right. So, um, the way we came to it is 
again, we have the self-service mechanism of Topcoder. That's uh, consumer-facing. You can literally go in and, and swipe a credit card. That's that's great. Uh, but on the other side of it is, again, the large enterprises that want to use crowdsourcing at scale. And to do so, you know, to get to get them there, uh, you have to treat them as channels, right? So we got we have certain partners. We have global uh, global uh, system system services and integrators, sorry, GSIs, and we partner with uh, seven out of the top ten globally, and we have to be able to provide them with content that matters to them. Now, again, they from their point of view, they want to book more business. They want to they want to be they want to drive down costs. They want to uh, deliver for their clients faster, right? So we have to kind of just flip the script and say, okay, we're not selling to their end user. We need to educate the people that are going to get us, you know, get top coder to their clients through, through what we call our, our powered by model. Um, the way that we think we're going to do that elegantly in 2016 is, well, frankly, you know, we've discussed earlier, we're looking heavily at, at things like Uberflip, right? So where you can create custom streams, where you can have the, where you can have protection so that if we're creating something for one particular client, Great. 80% of the content we're creating, 85% of the content we're creating could be just automatically peeled into their hub and we could create custom streams. But the 10 or 15% of content, maybe 20%, that's custom to that particular client's needs that talks about their client rock stars and talks about the way that they're going to use uh, crowdsourcing with their go-to-market strategy, very specific to the client. Great. We, we put that inside the Uberflip hub as well and create custom streams for that. And then do that um, do that over and over and over again for our largest clients because as, as a piece of the pie, our largest clients provide a, um, a skewed portion of what, what ends up being our revenue. So I think tools like Uberflip are really, really, um, really strong for us when it comes to how do we segment, but how do we do it very simply so that the vast majority of the work we've done is already peeled in. And then when we do want to segment, when we do want to go kind of channel by channel or client by client, we have a an easy CMS, which something like Uberflip provides, that we could push uh, specific content out that could be password protected. That's uh, music to my ears, as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, I mean, Uberflip is a, a sponsor of, uh, of Content Pros, but I feel like you kind of did that sponsor read for me there um, you know, and, and hope to see you go live with that this year. Uh, another one of the, the sponsors uh, you know, that I do want to call out at this point, since since you teed it up so well, other than Uberflip, is Convince and Convert, and uh, you'll love Definitive. It's it's another um, resource that they have each day. The team at Convince and Convert picks a topic and sends you three of the best resources ever created around that topic. It's you know right on the mark, all about timing, and super useful to your day. So go to DefinitiveDigest.com and subscribe for free right now. And uh, we thank uh, the team at Convince and Convert for you know, both producing this podcast and producing great assets like that. So we probably have time for, for one last quick question here, which we always like to finish on, which is really tied to you know how you got here. And you know we always take people back to their childhood and, and what your aspirations were. And I, I don't know if it's it's going to be uh, you know crowdsourcing because uh, yeah, that's probably a new word, but uh, maybe you can uh, take us back in time. Sure, sure. Uh, no, absolutely, I can. So, I mean, this is uh, my—I guess my aspirations as a child. I wasn't—I wasn't dreaming too big at that point. I, growing up, I, I actually—I loved the idea of being a taxi cab driver. Uh, I don't—I don't know why. I was—I just I was attracted to. Attracted to, uh, you know, at that point, probably as an eight or ten year old, bringing people around and kind of being part of their. 
being part of their journey, right? <laughs> you know, so uh, shepherding people to where they need to go and and helping people uh, get there kind of quickly. I just thought it was a, a fun gig from the from the mental standpoint of you know it never gets old. The, the next the next conversation is is a, a door a door opening away. So nowadays I, I would obviously go be an Uber driver, not a taxi driver, but um, but you know that's that's something I've always thought about. Like even in even in quote unquote um. <clears throat> Now I'm in my late 30s, so maybe 20 some odd years from now I'll be a I'll be an Uber driver. Although by then it'll all be autonomous cars anyway. But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of bring people around and kind of talk to them all day, and, and thought it'd be a fun gig. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a technology focus. I didn't go to school for technology. I'm not a technologist, but I think that's kind of the beauty of the whole thing is I'm not a technologist. I'm not a designer. I, as an individual in my small team can go so much faster by using our community, by using TopCoder. We could amplify our, our ideas and actually get them done, which I think is a really cool um, place to be right now is the tools have gotten so much better. Access to geniuses across the globe is now there. So if you've got things you want to bring to market, you absolutely can. You just, you just, you know, tap a community like a TopCoder and you start to flesh out your ideas and, and let the world kind of uh, help you co-create it together. Great stuff. Thanks so much for your time today, Clinton. Somehow we didn't bring up the fact that you were stung by a scorpion while sending an email. So I, I'm not quite sure how we didn't <laughs> bring that up. But hopefully this was a little less painful than that doing this recording. But we really do appreciate your time. I know I learned a bunch and definitely need to take advantage of the power of community even more than we do already. So thanks for joining us on behalf of the Content Pros Podcast. You can follow more at contentprospodcast.com. I am Chris Moody from Oracle Marketing Cloud. Randy Frisch from Uberflip has also been an amazing co-host. So please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you like to grab your podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Uberflip, and by Sixter, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...